Well, welcome in to Hold Backstage Live. We are back in the studio after a holiday break, and I can't be more excited for you to hear this interview with an exceptional young actress who is just a treasure to our family here at WBS. Her stage presence is mesmerizing, and her vocals are unmatched. I'm so happy for you to hear her process, uh, her workflow, and her thoughts on being a performer and preparing for different roles or shows. Her childhood experiences of moving with her family and being involved in different theater programs in different states give her a rounded perspective on discovering theater and having a love of this art form that allows her to truly enjoy the moment wherever she may find herself. We talk about growing up in Gunnersville before moving to Chicago, then to Arizona, then to Florida where she was part of an intense AMT program. We talk about her theater experiences at Gunnersville High School and here at the whole backstage. Part two of the interview will touch on her move to New York City and all of the excitement of that new journey. It was truly a pleasure to sit down with and learn more from our very own Anaya Havis. Something to watch. Yeah, this is I'm glad be fun. I could come too. It will be fun. So, so what, what did you think? Um, you haven't heard any of them. Mm-mm. So what do you, what did you think when I said, "Can't do you want to do a podcast with me?" <laughs> I was really excited because I've never been asked to do that before. It was like I don't know. It made me feel important, kind of. <laughs> it made me feel like I don't know, like a celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the that's the point of these with like what I want to do is make the whole backstage more accessible right Mm so by I guess the platform I chose to do that this time is like interviewing interesting people that have come through here that are a part of our family that have some connection with the whole backstage so I just if I don't know people who I think are interesting that have something to say so oh that's why we're (laughs) (laughs) well yeah I mean uh, you know, I was talking to, I forgot who it was, but I was saying, you know, I have I have to interview Anaya before she leaves for mm-hmm. school because I feel like I'll never see her again. Oh. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, it's a long way. So I know mm-hmm. that's not true, but it feels that way. So yeah. I was like, you know, somebody I know who I've been in shows with moving to New York to study mm-hmm. acting is interesting to me. I want to know about the process. I want to know, you know, I want to know what's happening. So. So where when did you get to Gunnersville though? You came during high school, right? Yes, I was born in Huntsville, so I went to Gunnersville Elementary. Me too. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But I was here for elementary school, um, and I moved away, and I've lived a bunch of places because my mom, like, she's never wanted to sit still. So mm-hmm. I li- I've lived in Chicago, Florida, Arizona, um, most recently Florida, and then I moved here about midway through my junior year. Mm-hmm. And so I knew most of the kids, but I didn't know if they remembered me. So I was like, oh, that's my best friend from second grade. Oh, I don't wow. know. Yeah. I didn't realize you had a, a young history here yeah. and then moved back after a period of time. That's yeah. cool. My first experience here was actually, um, I think, at a little week-long camp with uh, Kelly Brook. One before, once on this island, Junior, was like a little... 
I don't know, we were painting faces and stuff. Um, <laughs> it was like when I was really young. That's all I remember from it, though. Yeah. Yeah. And that was my first experience with theater, but it was a long time ago. And I didn't remember it until recently, but yeah. So That's I did fun. come back. And was that here in this building? Yes, it was here in this building. I remember being in the reception room and yeah. there was this guy, I think he was a teenager, and he had like this rainbow afro like clown afro and i just can't remember his name but that's the only thing i remember about summer camp here. like one of the people working with her yeah that time. like one of the counselors or <laughs> he was something. wearing a rainbow clown yes afro. he was and our song was singing in the rain and i think that was what we presented at the end it was a little mm -hmm. recital type thing but yeah so were there different groups that worked on different um skits or whatever for the week or the time period yes there were different groups and then we would just like rotate rooms i'm not really sure i don't really remember all of it i just remember having the same guy for like yeah. a week and it was the rainbow afro <laughs> it was clown, the rainbow clown yeah. Guy. and yeah it was really fun and um i remember painting faces and that's about it yeah but yeah, that's fun and that was when you that was before you left Yes, that was before I left. I left around like third or fourth grade to live in Chicago, mm -hmm. and I didn't get back into theater until one summer, April, my aunt, she was like, hey, I think Anaya would have fun doing this. And I was like, why? Uh, I've never done it before. And it was um, the summer camp with uh, Kelly Brook Brown here at the whole backstage, yeah. and it was Once on this Island Junior, and I was like, I'll do it as long as I don't have to sing by myself, you know? And April was like, no, uh, they're just going to walk around and listen to everybody sing at the same time. Like, you're not going to have to sing by yourself. Oh. And so I get here, and everybody has to sing individually. It doesn't matter who you are or if you just got your tonsils taken out. <laughs> totally different than and, what you thought. Yeah, so I was mad at first. I was like, April, she knew I wasn't going to have to do this and didn't tell me. And then so I get up, and I didn't have a song prepared or anything, but I got up, and I think it was Grant Kennedy and... Um, uh, a couple of the other kids that used to go here sitting up there and I remember the only song I knew from a musical was Seasons of Love from Rent oh wow <laughs> I just sang the chorus and it was the quietest thing ever to the point like Thomas <laughs> like he was trying to sing along with me and I was like oh god I don't know what I'm gonna do now um, but it was fine I got ensemble <laughs> sure yeah but it ended up being really really fun I had the most fun in ensemble that's good and I never stopped it was it was just the most fun experience I had had in a week and I never wanted to stop from that point forward yeah. so that as as uh as awkward as you might have felt coming into a situation totally different than what you thought it still yeah no, still it, hooked you yeah it definitely gave me bubble guts but I did yeah after I just <laughs> accepted my fate I guess because after a while they were like okay we're going to stop asking for volunteers and just go down the list. I was like, oh, yay. Sounds <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. I'm somewhere on the list. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, I guess um, I owe this all to April for, like, just saying, oh, this will be fun. Go do this. And yeah. not telling me that I'd have – because if she didn't tell – if she would have told me that I would have had to sing by myself, I probably wouldn't have done it. So. Hmm. And now that's no problem. Y yeah. Good. Yeah. That's fun. So what was uh, – so from there – Let's see. How how close was that to when you had to move to Chicago? Um, well, there was a whole move in between that. I think I think I lived in Arizona at this point because we came back for summers every year. Oh, 
Yeah. So I came back to see my dad and grandma. And so I would just do camps over the summer here. So I did once on this island and Shrek the next summer. And Shrek, I remember, was the summer before high school. So that was Florida. It's all very confusing, like no, no, <laughs> the moving history. That's that's interesting. I, uh, so I'm, I'm connecting the dots, too, because I just met you in October mm-hmm. when we did Little Shop. So a lot of this I didn't know about. So that's why mm-hmm. I, that's why I'm here, because it's an interesting story. I want to I want to hear because yeah. um, so how was I, I'm I may ask in a weird order because I, I don't know the timeline. No, that's as fine. Well. So uh, how was Chicago? Oh, Chicago. And how long were you there? I was I lived in Chicago for two years. Um, I think living in Chicago definitely opened my mind a little bit because um, I never wanted to live there. I'd only lived in Alabama my whole life, and I was the one who took the move the hardest. Like, I didn't want to leave my family. Mm. And then after I sort of got used to it and my family came and visited me up there and I realized it wasn't the end of the world, um, I just I just grew to love it. It made me realize that a city is kind of where I'm meant to be, like, because I'm meant to be where, like, everything's happening. Like, you can walk down the street and there's a million different things happening. Like, oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, I think that's why... Because I knew I wanted to go to school in Chicago or New York because, I mean... Even just, then? Yeah. Just the culture over there, it's just like you can walk past 100 people and never see them again and then <laughs> walk past another 100 people. And then one of them might turn out to be your best friend and one of them might turn out to... It just... It doesn't matter. Like, And then there's literally... You'll never run out of things to do. Like, ever. Ever. Right. <laughs> You'll never run out of things to do. I remember one day in Chicago, there was like a kite day in like the middle of some random I think it was Millennium Park and they just had these volunteers like making paper kites and I just thought this is so random like hundreds of people came together and fly kites and then next week it's going to be something completely different like it's going to be a concert in this park and yeah I just think that's awesome like having a plethora of things to do I thought Chicago was really neat when I was there at the park you're you're talking about um of course, you have to go stand next to that big reflective bean and take yes, a picture. Yes, yes. And then there's that shell-looking amphitheater area there. Yes. And, and that, yeah, that's a big open area that is um, just really cool to visit. Because, mm-hmm. well, I enjoyed Caribou Coffee right across the street. I'm a, I don't know. I was a Caribou Coffee fan for a little while. I haven't had nice. it in a while, but it's pretty good. Also... I had my picture made with uh, an American Girl doll in that store <laughs> because it was. So, I, don't know, I don't know why, but I was up there. Um, me, me, and one of my friends went. Another guy. So we were like, "What do we do?" <laughs> yeah. And and I had been. Uh, I think my my sister was an American Girl fan and stuff like that. So I thought, you know, this would be something funny to take home. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's lost now, which is probably for the best. Um, but <laughs> anyways. So I'm out with my buddy. What can we do? Yeah. Go to the American Girl Doll School right. store. He was up there. I didn't know this at the time, um, but he was up there f- to interview for a TV show. Right. But he told me it was like it's something else. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I don't know. Things slip past me kind of easily sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was a cool trip. And mm-hmm. then I found out he was on Survivor, and that was why he was in Chicago, was that is awesome. interviewing or auditioning for that. Yeah. And he never said a, a word to me. Like, he he was totally uh, loyal to whatever agreement he made with them. Mm-hmm. Like, I, ne- I had no clue until I saw him on on the show. That is awesome. Yeah. So, awesome says you. 
Well, yeah. Betrayal says not. <laughs> That's true. Oh, That's another thing about cities. Like, there's a bunch of like opportunities. I know my sister. She auditioned to be like on MasterChef Junior um, yeah. while we lived in Chicago, and she got pretty far. She got to meet Gordon Ramsay and stuff. Wow. Um, I think she got cut um, on like one of the last rounds, but it was it was because of something weird, like paperwork or something. But it wasn't. Because oh, I hate yeah, she was a very spunky kid. Like I mean, I think I'd like to think they would have chosen her. Um, but all three of the siblings, me, my sister, and my brother, auditioned, and I wasn't that into it because I literally remember the um, the interviewers. They uh, walked around and they had us all cook an egg, and whoever did it in like the most <laughs> creative way. Like I mean, like this I, is before it even gets to TV. They're just wondering yes. if you're interesting enough to put on TV yes, at they, this point. Yes, they give you a number and then they send you in this room and there's like pans everywhere and like tiny little ovens and they're like, just cook this egg, do whatever you want with it, be creative, you know? And I think, hmm, I don't, I don't really know much. I can either scramble it or fry it and hope it doesn't look like um, terrible. So right. I fry it and it it looks like, you know, edible food. Um, do at, you break the yolk or just leave it, let it cook? I, I just let it cook. I try not to let it break, um, just because that's the way I like to do it. Yeah. But I mean, to each their own. But I usually end up breaking it anyways, uh, against my will. But yeah, they came around to me and they were asking me questions. They were like, "So, out of your family, who do you think is the best chef?" And I was like, "My sister." Like I wasn't even trying. <laughs> like, and they were like, "So you don't even think like you have a fighting chance against your?" I was like, "No, um, I think she's the best chef, definitely." And they were like, "Oh, so who's the sassiest?" I was like, "My sister." And I like they were just trying to <laughs> give me something to make me interesting, and I was just not catching it i was just like i was just being honest i was like sure yeah she's the best best cook um yeah and then so i got to watch her go throughout the rest of the audition process like she got to go to like this penthouse and they were like cook something and they recorded her and stuff and they were like asking her questions while she was cooking and she make like she made like cajun pasta and they were like asking her about her gymnastics and she was like yes i'm a gymnast and if you can't tell i'm like cooking Cajun pasta with this yeah, hand I, motion. I got yeah. that, yep. <laughs> for, for everybody just listening. Yes. Yeah, She's like, I Anaya like to do... is full on cooking yes. Cajun pasta on the table right now. I like to do <laughs> cartwheels and um, cook lamb and stuff like that. Like, uh, stuff that makes her interesting. And yeah, she got pretty far. So did y'all get to go... It, like, were you there watching her or did she come back and get to tell you about this? Oh, no, we were watching her on a couch and she was in like, oh, cool. she was in the kitchen with all the lights and stuff. And me, my brother. So y'all getting to see on a monitor? We you, were like in the room oh, wow. with the camera. Um, but most of the stuff she had to do by herself. But that was just one of the things that we got to watch. But yeah, that was interesting. Awesome. I never believed her because obviously I didn't get to meet Gordon <laughs> Ramsay, but the kids who got selected to go to the next round got to meet Gordon Ramsay. So I've never believed her, but she will swear that she met Gordon Ramsay. So. Of course. Mm -hmm. Me too. I've met him. Really? No, not really. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do if I met somebody like that. Like, you know, talking to Grant and uh, had an inter interview with uh, Adam Carboni also mm -hmm. who live, who works with, you know, people in the internet goodness i'm trying to slow down and be more articulate <laughs> if i ever want to keep doing this but like he works with people in the entertainment industry and he comes across you know household names in mm -hmm. his work and um i asked them both i was like so 
have you ever run into anyone that you were super excited to meet or is it just a regular day and um you know grant had made the point he's like well if you know you can meet people but you got to read the situation right you you know Mm -hmm. Don't walk up to somebody who just almost got hit by a bus and ask for a picture. Right. <laughs> you know, they're, they're a person, too, yeah. trying to make a living in the city. So everybody ha- approaches that different ways. But yeah. if I ran into Gordon Ramsay, I would be like, hello? I'd be scared. <laughs> I'd be scared of saying something wrong, and he'd be like, you do not like, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, one time my mom chased down a woman in Chicago that she thought was Megan Fox. She was not oh, Megan yeah. Fox. Uh-huh. Um, so she ended up just running after this woman. But she ended up, she was like, has anyone ever told you that you look almost exactly like Megan Fox? She was like, yes. People tell me that all the time. Um, but I'm not. And then so but my mom I'm just not. had to walk back to the car because we were stuck in traffic and she, she just ran down oh, the street. Sure. Yeah. And what then, else do you do when you're stuck in traffic? Yeah. I, I guess go try to catch <laughs> Megan Fox. Yeah. Got to do something to pass the time. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so that reminds me of that scene in Elf. You remember when he's running after that guy in the red sweatsuit and he's like, Santa! Yes. Oh, oh, not, not Santa. Okay, bye. Um, and something else I just thought of while you were talking. This happens all the time. Mm-hmm. I have a thought and then it just... Whew, it's all good. I forget my thoughts all the time. And then I try to run it back, like think of all yeah. the thoughts I had leading up to that thought. Yep. And half the time it works, half the time it doesn't. Oh, uh, jeez. So... All this happened in Chicago. <clears throat> While you're coming back and hanging out during the summer, mm-hmm. and then you go to Arizona. Yes. Where in Arizona? Uh, Goodyear, Arizona. It's like near Phoenix. Oh. Um, okay. Yeah. The about the only thing you can do there with your friends is you can walk about a mile to the nearest like donut shop, or you can go to like this theater it's like a Hawkins movie theater so every weekend we would just like either go watch a movie or like walk to ribbons it was the nearest tea cafe thing mm-hmm. but there wasn't a lot to do we got really good at cards um got really good at spades and um <laughs> speed and that was about all we did but I remember Arizona was one of my favorite places to live and I really didn't want to leave there um mm-hmm. because I got really into band and theater there as well because after I'd start started rolling the ball um with Once on this Island Junior I auditioned for my first like school play um the Lion King Junior mm-hmm. and then I actually got a part I got to play Rafiki and I was so excited I was like oh wow like I I could actually do this like it's I mean it's it's working out you know um, I think that would be a super fun part it was um it, I remember I had never sang in front of my mom and after I auditioned she was like so are you gonna sing it for me or like when do I get to hear it and I don't know why I've always been like this but I can't sing or practice in front of my family like if you want to hear me sing you have to come and buy a ticket <laughs> <laughs> no I get that. I cannot do it at home it's so embarrassing like my family I imagine them as my biggest critics but they're really just my biggest fans and um I was just like, you're just going to have to wait. You're just going to have to wait. And she had never heard me sing before. And I got the first song, Circle of Life. And I remember she just tells me, as soon as you start, I just started bawling because I did not know you could sing like that. Like, I was just, it was just so surprising. And she recorded about the whole thing. And looking back, I'll watch those videos and I'll be like, this is, this is bad. But it was, <laughs> it was really good for me then. So it was that was one of my favorites because um, it was my first speaking role and kind of got me started. Kind of made me believe in myself a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I remember my first rehearsal. Um, I was singing and, you know, the first song in Lion King, it's like, nah, 
cinconia. And mm-hmm. then, so you have to like yell that. It's kind of like a belt thing. And I remember I just, I was so nervous for my first rehearsal. And that's the first song we practiced because it's the first song. And I was just whispering it. And Miss Farrington stopped the music and she was like, Anaya, I know that you're louder than this. And I know you're scared to make a sound, but just don't be. Nobody's going to laugh. If you crack, it's fine. Everybody does it. Just do it. And I just did it. And I did not know that I could make those sounds. And then from then on, I just never stopped being loud. So (laughs) (laughs) I was never quiet again. (laughs) Well, that's one thing I love about uh, theater and especially junior theater like that is is you don't know what you can do until you are put in a situation Mm -hmm. where that's what is demanded. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Um, Little Shop, that happened with me a ton. Mm-hmm. Like I've never done some of that stuff before, and I almost, you know, didn't know that I could mm-hmm. until I had to. So same thing. I mean, I, I love that. That's that makes a lot of sense, and I love that we had. Well, you had that opportunity there, mm-hmm. but I love that we, you know, can provide those opportunities here. Also, for like, I think of we just closed Willy Wonka, and mm-hmm. we had eighty six kids. That is on amazing. that stage. Yeah, and Kristen and John Davis did a great job front to back, just mm-hmm. bringing you know, allowing as many kids as possible to participate. Mm-hmm. Right. So one thing that was really cool was the uh, junior production staff. So they had ki- the kids ran that show mm-hmm. after it got going. So really, Kristen and John Davis kind of put things in place, and the kids took it over. Like you had a. a a kid, uh, a junior director, mm-hmm. stage manager, um, soundboard, light board. I mean, it, you know, and it was funny <laughs> after the show one night, um, the kids were kind of playing on the stage after mm-hmm. after they go and meet the the audience, and they were they were playing doing something. They might have been re reenacting part of the show, mm-hmm. but the lights changed on stage. Like the house darkened and the lights came up on the stage, and I looked up. And eight-year-old Michael, who had run the lights for the show, was up there, <laughs> and he had he had changed the lights so that they could, you know, just while they were playing, mm-hmm. they had like show lights, and Aww. he he saw and he changed, and I looked up there and and called him like he was looking and he was laughing, you know, kind of pointing at him, and then he walked out like that was, you know, they were they were just having fun, yeah. So, I it, I I think it's great to you know when people have those opportunities and mm-hmm. it like opens up something for you that that you that you maybe didn't know about before. Yeah, I definitely think junior theater is one of the most like important things about this theater cuz I mean, you can get 86 kids to get up on stage and you know, some some kids are going to drop it, you know. Some kids are going to decide, you know, theater may not be for me. Maybe I'm a mm-hmm. swimmer, or, you know, whatever. But some kids they needed that to, you know, discover something they didn't know they could do or enjoy it like it was for me. Like I would have never just walked out and picked this up if it wasn't for somebody who told me it would be fun. And it, you know, it's not for everybody, but I feel like it is for a lot of people who haven't found mm-hmm. out yet, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's a lot of people who go their whole life without finding like a passion, you know, or like at least like a hobby they really enjoy. And I think this could be it for a lot of people that just haven't found it yet. And maybe that's just me being optimistic about it. I was like, everybody likes theater, <laughs> but but I really do think it's missing in a lot of people and it just takes a couple kids to figure it out. Yeah. And even if it's like not the, you know, highest level of theater, like it takes that to get everybody started, you know? 
Sure. And, yeah. Well, well, your story, I mean, with, with April just mentioning, hey, this might be fun for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I tend to maybe put too much faith in our uh, outreach efforts sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like if, if I say, oh, well, we put an ad on Facebook or right. it's been in the paper a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. We had a banner on the side of the road. Um, we sent an email out to all our patrons. I mean, you know, I, I tend to put too much faith in that stuff sometimes mm-hmm. and think, well, everybody knows about it. <laughs> yeah. And I underestimate the personal yes. connection that it takes. Maybe April knew about it, mm-hmm. but you didn't, you know, so she just passed it on. So I, I underestimate that sometimes, yeah. but I think that's really important. Yes, we definitely need to do a lot of the advertising ourselves because a lot of people do see it on Facebook or see it on the street and they're like, oh yeah, I saw that poster and I was thinking about it, but they're always just very, you know, hesitant. They need like mm-hmm. one person to be like, you know, just try it. And if you don't like it, it's fine. Just try. And like nine times out of 10, like uh, you'll get to at the end of the production at like circle and then you'll get people who have like, I've never been on a stage before. And let me tell y'all, right. this is the best time I've ever had of my life. And those people you never know. Yeah. Like when they say that, you're like, you've never, what? Are you <laughs> right. kidding me? And you never expect it from them. But yeah, I think it takes just one person to be like, yes, you should go do it because there's a lot of hesitance. Yeah. Cause I can't remember who it was, but one show we did, somebody said that towards the end, it was like, this is my first show. And I was like, you're, you've been a pro this whole time. I don't, how's this your first show? <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, that's, you know, like you were talking about, mm-hmm. people might see a poster or something and know about mm-hmm. it, but then they're just kind of hesitant. It's like seeing those events that Facebook thinks you'll be interested in coming yeah. across, and then you click interested, and then you never see it again. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. <on>. I remember, <laughs> like, I was teching for Dearly Departed, and um, one of the main characters in it, she played uh, the mother, and they were telling me about her. They were like, oh, yeah, she just... um she, I think she saw it in the newspaper and just walked in and she just decided, hmm, why not? And I was like, wow, that takes a courageous person like to just yeah. see something in the newspaper and just walk over there and like, yeah. You are listening to Whole Backstage Live on WBSL Radio, recorded in Alabama's oldest continuously operating community theater. We bring you radio plays, vocal performances, interviews with performance art insiders, readings, comedy, and drama, all supported by our generous sponsors and people like you. Check the show description for a link to connect to all of our social media. Follow us for upcoming events and announcements and to learn how you can be part of our mission to provide our community and surrounding areas with a positive outlet for the performing arts. Please make a point to subscribe or follow us so you are kept in the loop on new episodes. Just search Holback Stage Live wherever you get podcasts or visit holbackstage.com and find the WBS Live podcast page under the archives tab in the menu. Now, back to the wonderfully talented and extremely hardworking Anaya Havis. My first audition, oh, here, like my first real audition, I was so nervous. I couldn't yeah. have just walked in without like preparing because... I kind of feel like I overprepared for like my first real audition here was for Bye Bye Birdie and um, I auditioned for Rosie originally but I knew I was kind of like a little young but I was like you know what I'm just gonna do it you know the worst they can say is no and I'll still be in the show anyways so Mm -hmm. it'll be fine 
And I so, saw the show, by the way. Fantastic job. Thank you. <laughs> um, it, so I learned all these songs, and I, the, you know how they have sample scripts on like the website? It'll be like, oh, we're going to be pulling these scenes for cold reads or whatever. Mm-hmm. I remember I printed out every single one, and I highlighted each character in a different color, and then depending on which character I wanted to read for in that scene, I would read that color. So if I wanted to read Ursula for this scene, I would read blue. Or if I wanted to read... um you know, Rosie for this scene, I'd read red and I practiced them until I knew exactly how every line I wanted it to sound. Wow. And, um, I came in and, uh, they gave me a number and I just remember, I was like, Oh no. Like I was like, uh, and I was the first one there cause I didn't want to be late. So I was number one and it just scared me cause I was like, Oh, that means I'm going to be first. Cause I had never been to an audition where I got n- a number and mm-hmm. that was just crazy to me. And it, that was nowhere near the case. It was actually very laid back. It was like, Hey, if you want to play Rosie, get up here and we'll just watch you sing. And it was like five of us. Um, it was actually four on the first day and I sang it and it just, it just relaxed me as soon as I got up there and I was watching everybody. Cause I was the last one to go. Like we were lined up in a row of four and I was the last one. And I just felt like this is, this is less scary than I thought. I don't know why I keep getting scared of these things. And then, um, for the cold reads, since I had like printed it out and pr- practiced it beforehand, there was this one line that was in Spanish and they were like, so what scene do you want to read? And I was like, Oh, I want to read the scene with the bartender. And I got to this one line and I like just ran through it in Spanish. Like I looked up the translation and everything and they were like, do you, that was awesome. Do you speak Spanish? I was like, no. But I speak that like, line much. I, I speak that line. <laughs> like, I know about that much of Spanish. Um, and then after that, I was like, oh, it's not that deep. I still like to prepare, but I was really scared. Oh, well, yeah. So yeah. Well, that, so listening to how, how detailed you got into that, mm-hmm. it like that to me, seems to be the level of preparation that'll get you whatever you want like you know what i mean yeah as i mean yes there are other factors Mm -hmm. but for somebody to see that kind of dedication if nothing else i'm sure at like in some audition Mm sometimes somebody will say i want somebody who works like that in my show you know yeah we'll figure the rest out yeah but she wants to be here yeah <laughs> you know Thank like that's got to count for something yeah i like um for auditioning i want it let's just say if i don't get a part i don't want it to be because i was unprepared i want oh, it sure, to be yeah. because maybe i wasn't suited for it or maybe like i hit a wrong note or like i want it to be because of i don't want it to be because of something i could have controlled you know Right. Right. I, so, yeah, I totally get so that. I can't, so then I can't blame it on myself. Like, then if I don't get that part, I was like, oh, she's better suited for it. I don't want it to be because, oh, yeah, I, I learned the song yesterday. And, you know, <laughs> I, I forgot that one line and it was it was really bad. Um, and as far as that goes, being uh, prepared, I remember Miss A told me, because after I got Esmeralda for my high school play, mm-hmm. um, I was so excited about it. Um, I printed out my own script because our scripts were taking a long time to come in. Like we didn't get them until like three months after auditions. Our scripts. Wow. Yeah, and so I went online. Um, may not have been the most, um, you know, approved way. Like I just found one and I printed it out, but I wasn't selling it, so it sure, was, yep. you know, still fine. Um, but I printed it out, I highlighted all my lines, and I made a Quizlet. And so what I do is I put my cue line on one side of the flashcard, and then I put my line on the other oh side of the flashcard. And so I go through the entire 
flashcard sequence. And if I, by the end of it, I should be able to just hear my cue line about, it could be like a what. And if I can see if it was an act one, scene four, and who said it, even Mm -hmm. if it's just one word, I should be able to know what it is. And I was off book about... I was off book within the month that I got that part. Of course, and, yeah. <laughs> and Musay was like, everybody, just so you know, Anaya's already off book. <laughs> so she set the standard. And so catch up. Yeah, yeah <laughs> this is your new deadline, like March, whatever. But yeah, and she was like, I just want you to know, like, even if you um, can't, you know, compete with another person vocally, stuff like this will get you booked every time. Like oh, yeah. if they know you're willing to work more than another person, it it will get you booked. And so that's what I've been trying to do. Like stuff that I can't control, you can't control. But things that I can control is being prepared. Yeah. So you get well, off just coming up with that you know. on your own. Yeah. And not, you know, a lot of people might figure that stuff out after a lot of experience or mm-hmm. coaching, but just coming up with that on your own, oh my gosh, that's, that's, that's deep. That's incredible. Thank you. That's going to be, that's going to be important. So we were at Lion King in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. You thought of what you were going to say? Oh no, no, no. Okay. No. Okay. How long were you there? Ooh, you- I, every place I've moved has been about a two year stretch. About so two I did years. two years in Chicago, then two years in Arizona, then maybe two and a half in Florida, and then... And then back here? Yes. Where'd you live in Florida? Uh, I lived in West in Florida. It was about 40 minutes from Miami, so it was mm. South Florida. Wow. Yes. Way down there. Yeah. Did you go to Miami ever? Yes. We went, like, maybe every weekend, because my mom <laughs> well, loves <yeah>. the beach. <laughs> she loves the beach. Um, and it's just... South Florida is, like, the only part of the South that isn't the South. Yeah. Like, nobody's, like, Southern. It's, like, very very um very latin and it's very yeah. you know all the food is different like it's all cuban food and hispanic food and it's just all this beautiful culture and all these like murals and beaches and it's like you're in a different world down there like wow. even though you're still in the south of america you know it's like a different world i've heard that about the uh key west um, yeah. like if you go off the southern coast of florida yeah. you can be like it, it feels like you're in the islands. I mean, mm-hmm. You are in the islands, but I mean, you know, like not the U.S. anymore. Yeah. It's weird. Key West is, I've been there once and I was like, if I ever imagine like what New Orleans would be like, this is kind of what I imagined it mm-hmm. looking like, like the houses. I, I don't know. I've never been to New Orleans. I've always wanted to go, but that's kind of what I imagine it being. Cause in Key West, it looks like they're at v- vacation all the time. Like yeah. <laughs> they just never go back to work. Of course. Like, they're just always. You figure out how to make that work. Yeah. Hmm. They're just always eating key lime pie and just sitting in a recliner in yeah. their little inn. <laughs> like, that's their life. Oh, man. Do you like key lime pie? Um, I did not like it. <laughs> Do you like it? Uh, I haven't. It's not one, like, if I'm out somewhere with multiple choices, I probably wouldn't pick it. Yeah. But I have had it. It's been a while. I guess it depends on where it comes from. Yeah. It's just never been for or me. Or if there's a lot of meringue on top. Is that one they put meringue on or is that lemon? I don't know. I think it's lemon meringue, mm. but I'm not sure. I like meringue. I don't know what meringue is, but it I sounds used, good. So it's the white fluffy stuff you put on top of pies, not whipped cream. Okay. I was about to say like, like whipped cream. Like, <laughs> and I don't know how to make it, but I think it's like an egg and some sugar mm-hmm. and then you whip it up and you toast it on top. Oh, okay. So lemon meringue pie is a pie. And I remember... Whenever somebody in my family made it, mm-hmm. and I 
you would just scoop that stuff off the top. <laughs> yeah. And like, y'all can have the pie. I just want the fluffy white stuff. Yeah. Um, Key lime pie is like frozen yogurt. From It's like ruining a good thing a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> just so you don't have to feel as bad when you eat it. Like, <laughs> I don't know what that factor is. It's like, why is it bitter and sweet? Like, why does it take? It's a lime, you know? Mm-hmm. But like, I like lemons more than limes because limes is like, I don't know. It's like a little poison. I don't know. Yeah, it can, it's got a little bite to it. Yeah. But uh, it's for some people. So did you do any shows in, when you lived in Florida? Uh, yes. We had um, a really amazing AMT program at the school. So, like, there were community theaters around, but each camp was, like, $1,000. Um, and I was like, oh, wow. I'm not paying $1,000. Community for, theaters yeah. that doesn't really give the whole community a chance yeah, to participate. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's like really just for one demographic of people. And then I would see their ads and I was like, for $1,000 a kid, I mean, you should be putting out like Broadway level productions. And then I was looking at these pictures and I was like, no, I I, I don't, I can't even see where the money is going. Like I, hmm. and then, so I just decided to do it in high school and we had an American musical theater class. And that was the first time I'd heard of that being done at a school. Um, because my other schools wouldn't have had it. They didn't have a course for that. And so basically, your audition, pro- every class, um, every freshman has to go into AMT1. And every, uh, my teacher was Cynthia Lutwin. And oh, every, okay, sorry, every class has a different show. And my freshman year, we had Into the Woods Junior. And every freshman class usually does a junior show just to get them, dip their toes in the water. Yeah. And you basically the first three months of school is all auditioning like it's we're on an a b schedule but every class is still an hour and a half and so the first round of audition you get to pick your song and you watch everybody everybody gets up there individually and the whole class watches you know and it's in the auditorium next round of audition is um dancing uh because you do like two weeks of boot camp before auditions which is an hour and a half worth of exercising. Wow. <laughs> so boot camp, then sing individually, then dancing alone. Um, you dance in like groups of four, you learn choreo, and then you do like cold reads, and then you sing something from the show, and this whole process takes like three weeks. And um, then after you're done with the audition process, you get to wait like another week for the cast list. And um, it's just the most grueling process, but um, I... I really wanted to be the baker's wife and I got it. So I was just really glad for that. And it was a new school with all new people. So I was just like, I just felt proud of myself. You know, it wasn't because like mm-hmm. I knew somebody or I had this friend or because my mom was friends with whoever, like I literally had nobody. Right. And you know, it was just amazing down there. She was one of my favorite teachers. Uh, and it was always really fun, even though it was still a high school production, you know, and a junior show, but it was all really fun. Well, that sounds like a pretty intense program. It, it was. It was. Um, she she was a very fit person. She would get up at 4 a.m. Uh, to uh, go cycling. And, you know, she just was like, if I'm at this level at uh, 50, you can be there at 16. And <laughs> every day we would do like 100 crunches, like, and we would count them. And we would, uh, it was like aerobics class. And um, one of her things that is unique to, like, a theater teacher that I've never seen anybody else do. She was very impartial to line dancing. And mm. so she was like, line dancing is just like musical theater. You're focusing on a lot of different things at different times. And 
if you mess up, you like everybody can see it. Like, <laughs> and so no, no pressure. Yeah, it's like there's steps, and sometimes they change. Um, you have to change directions, and if you want to sing along to the songs, like we had to sing along to the songs, and it was like these country mm-hmm. songs. So I had no desire to like learn them, but still, it was like a requirement. Um, but yeah, it was all really fun. By the end of the year you learn like eight line dances and I still know a lot of them um because by the time you're a senior you have to teach them to the freshmen and yeah I've never seen anybody else do that it was like her specific thing but I I really missed line dancing that's interesting yeah to to equate line dancing to musical theater yeah and use it to get people in the in the practice of like learning dancing and singing at the same time yes Hmm. it was it was. It, it was. Because <laughs> after an hour of exercising, the, the first thing you want to do is do um, a line dance. The devil went down to Georgia. And that was our anthem as right. a class. Yeah. Oh, God. And it was a bunch of jumping around, like heel touches. And yeah. I bet. Yeah. Man, she sounds, uh, well, I was going to say she sounds fun. She is fun. <clears throat> she I'm was, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure some people are like, why, why, what did I come here for? What? Yeah. I did not think this would be what it is. At first, yeah, you come in the first day of school, um, the first day of boot camp, you're like, oh, I shouldn't need more than a water bottle, right? No. Sure. By, by the end of that week, you're like, you have your hydro flask out, um, you have a, a sports clothes on. Even if it's the first period of day, you better bring like leggings and sports <laughs> attire because you're going to be sweating. Oh, man. So she, that was, you did End of the Woods. Yes. <clears throat> and, um, any other was that it there uh i only did two shows there i uh, my second uh show was there was my sophomore year it was rock of ages okay yeah and i i got the understudy role for justice and originally i was i was kind of disappointed about it because i was well i was uh, whoa (laughs) sorry i'm trying to slow down too (laughs) but um uh, i was the only sophomore in that class with a speaking part so that i was proud of um but i was also a little down because i was like oh, i only get in one night you know but people really underestimate all that understudies have to do like even on broadway like understudies and oh, swings you have to learn your ensemble track and with that you have to learn a lead role track in like with no rehearsal time like you get maybe one out of nine rehearsals a lead role gets you know and it's really hard to keep track of it all. And it was definitely more challenging to me than having a lead role. Having an understudy role was more challenging than any of those. And then that was exactly when Corona hit because um, COVID-19 hit like maybe two days before I was supposed to get my night. So I never ended up getting, <laughs> I never got to perform. Oh, no. But it was, yeah. Because everybody, because I remember my teacher saying, she was like, don't worry, understudies, you will get your night. Because n- nobody thought, nobody knew what it was, you know, like sure, everybody yeah. thought we were going to go back. Like it was going to be a two week break from school and we were going to go back. Mm-hmm. And we never, <laughs> we never went back. Oh man, I hate that. It's okay. I, I haven't thought about that though, about understudies. Is that like, I, I, I guess I just assumed that they would you know, the production staff would make sure understudies are just as prepared as the leads. Mm-hmm. But I guess, you know, there's some element of like, okay, you're the understudy. Um, you just go figure it out and we need you to know it when, it, if you ever have to use it. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Of, yeah. They trust you a lot to do a lot of that work on your own. Cause I mean, it's your job to, you know, do all that work on your own. Yeah. And um, you would just count on, 
I don't say this to be mean, but you would just wait for that person to be sick or, you know, wait for that person to be absent that day at school to like get your rehearsal time because that's the only time you got to rehearse. Other times you were learning an ensemble track and that's a whole different thing. You have to keep in different choreo, different words to the songs, different singing parts. Yeah. And um, it was it was definitely one of the hardest roles I've done and it's not even that hard of a role but just all the work you have to do as an understudy you know mm-hmm. all that remembering you gotta learn two yes. parts yes you do have to learn two parts two separate characters two separate tracks and it's it's not for the faint of heart <laughs> and I'm I'm at the end of the day I'm really glad even though I didn't get to perform I'm really glad I got the experience of having like getting to be an understudy because I kind of dismissed them at first I hate to say it but I was I was just kind of like understudies I mean it's you kind of don't really have to do anything unless that person like can't show up. No, no, you have to know everything. You're doing everything that person's doing Mm -hmm. and you may not ever get rewarded for it. You may not to ever get to see the fruit of that labor. Like, and that's heartbreaking, but you still have to know your stuff at the end of the day. Well, Grant had a similar story about COVID. You know, he, um, he was finishing up his senior year at Auburn mm-hmm. and he got hired to do an off-Broadway show in Atlanta mm-hmm. and had prepared. They were ready to go and then shut it down. That is heartbreaking. Yeah. Like to like get one of your breaks. I mean, even an off-Broadway show, like that's an amazing, amazing mm-hmm. achievement. And then to have it like kind of ripped out from under you. Cause like in all of Broadway shut down, like when you think of live theater, Live theater was nowhere to be found for like right. at least a year. And all of us were basically just sitting and waiting because, you know, you could do the things like Zoom and stuff. And because I remember uh, the beginning of my junior year uh, before I moved back to Alabama, we were still going to do that intense audition process in Florida, but it was all on Zoom. So we were still having to turn our cameras oh, no. on. We were doing boot camp on Zoom, like literally burpees, like on a web camera and uh, we had to send in videos of our audition and we would watch it as a class and it's just it's not the same it's not that same like Mm-mm. it's not the same experience it's not as fun like that's one of the beautiful things uh of live theater it's it's just so authentic like you feel all the things all of the things at the same time as the other people yeah and you just can't do that well and like digitally. you were saying that live theater includes live auditions yeah and rehearsals and you know that prep time yeah not just live on stage with an audience mm-hmm. so all of that stuff has has its own element that is missed yeah what you know when it's not there yeah and you, it, you just don't appreciate it till it's gone like I remember I was so grateful to audition for Bye Bye Birdie because I was like wow we get to be in person and actually sing oh, like in front of people like in a room you know and that's something I hated about auditions before like having to sit and watch everybody go up by themselves and then like have your stomach do cartwheels as you're waiting for your turn. But now it's just like, I'm grateful because I like, you know, everybody feels the same. Like nobody, nobody can just do auditions without being nervous. I mean, if you can, kudos to you, but like everybody gets (laughs) nervous and it's one of those bad feelings, but you know, everybody around you is feeling it. So it's a kind of a comfort, but it's just one of those things that digital things can't mimic you know yeah so i don't know in-person theater is just unmatched there's no way to well i've i've always gone into an audition thinking um 
some of them I go in thinking of, of a, about a specific part or something mm-hmm. like that. Some of them I go in thinking, oh, I just I just want to be a part of the show. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't care really what happens. Um, but I like when you said for uh, that one audition you did, they asked you what scene you wanted to do. Yeah, I hate that. Like I I just want this is an audition. I want to show you what you want to see. You just tell me what to do. You know, right. I guess it throws me off when mm-hmm. I have to make a decision about what to show somebody. Yeah. Because implicit in that is something that I think I do well. And I don't, I don't know. I don't really, I, I guess I am self-conscious about coming across that way. Like, this is what I want to present to you but because it's what I'm super good at. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you just, I've prepared some things. Yeah. You tell me what you want to see and I'll, sh- you know, I'll do my best. Yeah. Is, I guess, kind of my comfort zone. Yeah, it's definitely different because I knew for that audition I wanted to be rosy. So I wanted them to see me as that role so I'd only like if they asked me if I wanted to read for anything I would do like a rosy scene but then you can go into an audition thinking you want one thing and then like by the third day you're like hey this character is actually really funny like I want to read for this one so like on the third day I was like can I read for Ursula because I think she's hilarious (laughs) and they were like yes and I actually did not think I was going to get Ursula I thought one of my friends was going to get her and um uh, when I got it, I was just so excited because I didn't think they saw me as that role. But then when I finally read for it, I was like, okay, I can kind of see myself doing this a little more than, you know, that's good. The main adult. Because you did a great job in that role. I, Thank you. I loved. I remember. I, well, I mean, you say it was your first show here. Y- yes. So I, that makes sense. That in my mind, I'm thinking that's the first time I've noticed. You know that kind that how talented she is because oh. it was the first time you yeah, were back you. here. Hey everyone, just a quick time out to remind you to check out our production of Cheaper by the Dozen, running January 27th through February 5th. Directed by John Davis Rawlings and his student assistant director Dax Stapler, this heartwarming show features the talents of Mike Hallenbeck and the ever-enchanting Kristen Gillen, who keep their family of 12 children running just as efficiently as the factories their father helps to streamline. Also, do not miss Three on a String in concert one night only, February the 11th at the Holback Stage. Other performances coming this season include You're a Good Man Charlie Brown in April, Into the Woods in June, and The Lion King Jr. in July. Make plans to join us for all this and more as we close our 49th consecutive season as your community theater. All tickets are available through holbackstage.com. Now, we wrap up part one of our interview with Anaya Havis. That's interesting how that unfolds sometimes. Is that yeah. like, I, there there have been shows that I've auditioned for that I've put on my audition form, this mm-hmm. is the character that I want, and this is the order that I'm thinking of these characters yeah. in or whatever. And then I don't get cast for one of the top one, two, or three. Yeah. I get cast as my number four. Yeah. But, and and both times that's happened, I've, you know, the director's saying, how do you feel about it? Are you going to accept the role? And I, I'm talking to him and I'm like, Ugh, you know, this is not <laughs> what I wanted to do, but yeah. sure, let's, let's see what happens. And then throughout the process, I realized they knew what they were doing. Exactly. They had a vision for the show mm-hmm. and I fit into that in a specific way that I didn't see. Mm-hmm. And, um you know, stepping into rehearsals and kind of developing 
whether it's an accent or a character mm-hmm. or whatever, and and developing that chemistry with the other cast is yes. like okay, I I see where you were going with this. Yes, because you know? while you're focusing on like getting the right words and stuff during that audition, like you can't see, you never see what they're seeing, and that's like a tough pill for anyone to swallow. But it's really the truth. Like as much as you think you you know really want to play this role or think you're suited for this role you're not seeing what they're seeing and the director has the vision for their show it may not be what you were envisioning as Mm -hmm. like who you wanted to be but and then it turns out to be something like so beautiful that's like why every time a cast list comes out there's always animosity and there's always people talking and they're like really like so and so got this part and it gets easier like it gets easier to not have that negative talk because i've seen so many times where people have been like well i think so and so should have gotten the part or so and so definitely didn't deserve to get the lead for this show or they're definitely they're not suited for this yeah. and then it turns out and then you just kind of look at that person you're like do you see like the error of your ways like do you see <laughs> now that they kind of knew what they were doing cuz the director, all they can ask is like, trust me, just just trust that I yeah. have a vision in place. And a lot of people just won't do it. They're like, no, no. I mean, I I see the show my way. And, you know, and I just try not to be a part of those conversations because I'm like, you know, even though that's not who I was expecting either, you know, I kind of, because everybody kind of subconsciously casts a show. Like while they're auditioning, they're sure. like, dang, I bet <laughs> she's going to get this role or, oh, she's, she's going to get this one. And then the cast list comes out and you're like, oh, this is this is not what I thought. But um, for me, I'm just like, you know, it'll turn out because they've got their own vision in place. And I just try not to be a part of all that because then then I don't want to be embarrassed at the end when when it actually ends up being good. And <laughs> yeah. And then those same people are yeah. like, you did so good. I could not imagine anybody else playing this right? role. Right? Isn't that weird when you get that? Yes. It's like, I imagine somebody else playing this role, but, or, or like when you think about casting movies, yeah. like you see it, you see just a really spot on movie and the performances were incredible. And you're like, yeah. who else could have done that? Yeah. Well, maybe somebody else, but not mm-hmm. like that, you know? Exactly. And it's, it's, it's funny that you can get, um, you can get two, like three different directors mm-hmm. might cast a show three different ways. Exactly. You know, and maybe all three would be a, a really good final product. Mm-hmm. You never know. But what you did put together was great. You know, I mean, and like thinking about <laughs> one thing like about auditions is that, and this may not be true every time, mm-hmm. but you know, the people in like the people auditioning, don't see every day maybe Mm -hmm. they might see one or two days out of three but the director sees all three days Mm -hmm. and there have been shows where i've I've thought man what are they thinking but like (laughs) i didn't i didn't see the other auditions Mm -hmm. you know so yeah they like you said they have that thousand foot view i guess yeah of what what they want to put together as their cast for their show and yeah. when you're directing a show, you can put together your cast, but you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what I've learned. Like if you, I mean, you just have to wait till you get in that seat because that's a hard thing for anybody to do. Cause oh, as gosh, yeah. like, 
even if you want to cast one person as this role, or maybe if even if they're best suited for the role, like if they are supposed to have chemistry with another person, that's a whole different aspect to take into like the equation. And then you may not be able to cast that person as that person because these two have better chemistry and they look better together and they work better together. And then like that reminds me of uh, the Hunchback auditions. Like they pulled me, Mallory, Will and Cooper all in the same room or uh, Jacob. It was Jacob Bodine. It was me, Mallory, Jacob Bodine and Cooper. And she pulled us four and she had it boy, girl, boy, girl. And I was like, oh, I know what this is. But none of the other kids knew what she was doing. So they were just scared. They were just standing there and they were looking around and she wasn't saying anything. And she was like, okay, Cooper, can you stand where Jacob is now? Yeah, just switch. And I was like, oh, she's seeing how we look together, you know. And then afterwards she was like, okay, you guys can leave. And then we left. And then Mallory was like, does that mean we're out? And I was like, no, she was just seeing how good we look together. (laughs) And, um, it ended up working out because apparently, I mean, I looked good with, um, Jacob and he got casted as Phoebus. He wasn't able to do it, but Mm -hmm. I mean, we looked good together. And then I always wonder like, what if, what if someone would have looked better with someone other than me? Cause I mean, that's how they cast the show. They're, they're not going to cast two people that just don't fit, you know? Yeah. But all of those things, all those technical aspects and the, all everything that might go into that decision, makes sense mm-hmm. right but here in well anywhere in a small mm-hmm. town at a community theater at a high school theater you know as a director when you put out the cast list you're going to hurt feelings yes and they're going to be the feelings of people you know yes and people you're friends with yes. a lot of times so that i can't imagine i don't want to be in that position no like no thanks that it, that position here because everybody's so close here because it's like this community theater being in a small town like this and you're directing a show and all your friends are auditioning for your show i can't imagine putting out a cast list because that's got to be one of the I mean, hardest things ideally in a, in a perfect world mm-hmm. everybody would know up front yeah we're a part of a theater mm-hmm. that puts on shows, and we're going to have a different cast every time, mm-hmm. right? I don't care if you were a lead in the last show. There might be new people auditioning, and you uh, might be interested in a different part or whatever. Mm-hmm. Different vision for the show, different director. I don't know. But in a perfect world, everybody would know what we're doing and mm-hmm. know that you can't get the part you want every time. Yeah. And be okay with that. Yeah, but you know that's never we're not. The, <laughs> that's never the we're not there. No. <laughs> um, but you know, I understand it being personal too. Mm-hmm. You know, I, if if somebody has gone through as much work as you go through getting ready for a part, <laughs> like uh, memorizing different parts and mm-hmm. color coding and everything, yeah. and thinking about how you want to do different things, and then not getting that part. Oh gosh, I, I mean, I can understand that'd be hard. Yeah. I mean. I've never walked out of an audition and like seen a cast list and like, you know, I've been on both sides. I've been really happy about it. And I've also been like, oh, oh, but I've never been, you know, devastated because mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people do get devastated and they'll like call me crying. They're like, can you believe this? Like, <laughs> but I mean, I just have to put myself in the mindset like you're going to have fun either way. Like, sure, this might not have been what you envisioned because I, I mean, I thought like I really 
wanted Rosie. But by the third day, like they were doing the same thing. They were pairing us up and seeing how we looked with each other. And then they had Jonathan Watts go down the line and like he was hugging every other girl, like (laughs) all next to him, like putting his arm over their shoulder. And when he got to me, he licked his pinky and stuck it in my ear and because I was like the youngest there and I was like well now they're never gonna see me as like the mature like love interest because like it it made me look like a kid and I was like I kind of knew from there I was like dang it but but I was still really happy when it came I was like this is new this is maybe not what you wanted but this is um this is an opportunity to grow you know it's Mm -hmm. something funny and that's how I try to take everything like if it's if it's a new thing that you're not used to then it's an opportunity to grow like oh you're not used to playing the villain i mean that's just another thing under your belt that you can say you've done like oh i yeah, played the villain yeah. i played the good guy and the villain or i've played the funny comedic relief and i've played the serious character and i've never played a villain so i'm looking and not to say that i want to play a villain you think you, that's what i was gonna say you think you could or would you i, I don't know i feel like if if the role demanded, oh, i know you could sorry let me backtrack i know you could <laughs> if if it's so demanded, I mean, I, it would be out of my comfort zone, definitely. But it's just one of those things. It's not the role I always look at and say, that's the role I want. I usually see the lead girl or like the funny character. And I was like, that's the one I want. But I, I do want to be able to say I've done it. You know, I want it under my belt. Like, you know, when mm-hmm. you see the new season for this one, I want to come back and audition for Into the Woods. And um, automatically after watching the show I'm like Little Red's funny like I want that or like Cinderella like I want that like those two would be good and I was like but wouldn't it be so cool if you like got to play the villain and then I like kind of put myself in those shoes and I'm like but but could you you know (laughs) but I just want to have it under my belt even if it's like a small like have three lines like if you're evil you know you can say you've done it I just want to do different stuff as possible then you're like a versatile actor and then you don't have to be as nervous every time you come in because it's never something you've never done yeah does well, that make sense yeah and thinking about that same thing something that i've seen here at the whole backstage over and over is what well, i say over and over mm-hmm. it's like far apart but we any show that we repeat mm-hmm. or if we do a show that was done at another theater in the county with mm-hmm. with the same not the same cast but some of the, our same participants are also involved in other theaters that are yes. close by like county theaters or nor- regional theaters or whatever so like if uh, a community college does a show and then the whole backstage does that same show a few years later or mm-hmm. whatever some of the same people are involved yeah and sometimes they play the same characters sometimes mm-hmm. they get to play a different character you mm-hmm. know like if we okay so Dax who yes. was the uh, the puppet operator yes. for our Tui, our mm-hmm. our little pot plant in the shop? If we do little shop in the next you know several years or whatever, he Seymour. may come back and be Seymour, you know. <laughs> and he but he's been in that show. Yes, he knows the show, mm-hmm. and he has a perspective, mm-hmm. and that and then he could bring a totally different perspective, you know. Yes, like it ta- yeah, it takes being in that show to realize like all the other fun parts you could play. Like, <laughs> oh, if I was in that role, oh, I would I would get crazy with it. Like, I would do this, that, and the other, and then yeah. you realize like that would be really fun, you know, because. I mean, it's just one of those things you didn't know that you would like or enjoy until you're, like, actually there. Because, you know, you think you want the lead. Like, I went into the Shrek auditions thinking I wanted Fiona, and then I started reading for Donkey, and I was like, he's hilarious. <laughs> and then by the end of the audition, that, that's what I wanted. And then it was a new thing. So, yeah, 
I think, is that what you? Is that the role you had for that show? Yes. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> this donkey, but yeah, I, I definitely want to do that again. I mean, how, how? Okay, so question. Yes. How do you go into Shrek and not? have Eddie Murphy's voice in the back of your head like when you're trying to when you're trying to like create the the donkey character I'm thinking like how how else do you even hear that yeah it, there's no other way like even when you read the lines in your head there's no other way to read it like you hear it like, either in it's his Eddie Murphy yeah. reading the script to you it's him and like the guy who plays it on Broadway who is basically reading it as Eddie Murphy so like like you can't even read it like parfaits i love parfaits it's like mm-hmm. parfaits i love parfaits <laughs> like it, it's exactly like that as you read it in your mind yeah and i mean and it just comes out like that as you're saying it too and you're like wow that's a part of me i didn't know i yeah. had <laughs> you've that's just seen funny. shrek so many times you just have that part of you those characters that's one of those things can you imagine anybody else doing that you know like that that's one of those things that like eddie murphy i I can't hear anybody else. Mm-hmm. Now I hear you. <laughs> I, can, I can, next time I watch Shrek, I'll think, oh, this sounds kind of like a nine. Um, that, was, that was probably, I don't want to say favorite. It's one of my favorite roles. Yeah? Yeah. It was, that was definitely an experience. If you got to do Shrek again, would you try to do the Donkey again or would, would you want to do something else? No, I would, that's one of the only absolute ones. Like, <laughs> I would, because I, I got to do Shrek the Musical Junior. If I got to do the full length one, yeah. I'd want to be Donkey. It's, it's just so funny. And that's one of my favorite things to do is, like, if you can make an audience laugh, it's, like, the most fulfilling feeling ever. Like, when your joke yeah. lands and you don't have, like, a dead audience and they're all laughing, it's like, oh, oh my gosh, I did it right. I, I want to do right. this again. Yeah, and, like, Donkey all of his jokes land like every, yeah. every single one and it's it's not just for the la- like it's even funny saying them like you want to laugh at them yourself like you'll he- hear them laughing at you and you want to laugh too and it's just I, I, w- I would want to play donkey like even though he's not you know shrek or fiona he's just one of he's a fan favorite and yeah. he's my favorite so i love that interaction with the crowd and that that takes uh, personally that takes me some time to get used to in every role, especially with like like uh, fellow cast members, if yeah. we have some dialogue that the cr- the crowd is supposed to think is hilarious, but mm-hmm. we're just saying it right. So, I I don't know. I just it takes some rehearsal time for me to get yeah. there where I can do it straight. You know? Yeah. They're... Like I'm not one of those. I have total control over my laugh. Yeah. <laughs> reaction or whatever. Like when y'all did that spritz. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was hilarious. I don't know how y'all didn't laugh in each other's faces every time. Like, there's so close. many. Yeah, there's so many times at Little Shop, I would see you and Ashley look at each other. I was like, how are they not, like, dying <laughs> laughing? Like, literally on the floor. Yeah, when that happens, mm-mm. When so- okay, so when something happens on stage that's just so uncontrollably funny, this happened in Hunchback. I remember Frollo uh, was coming in, and Josh quickly made the artistic choice um yeah so he's literally just supposed to walk in and be like you know i found your little hideaway you know like and it brings down the whole mood because he's obviously like aiming to kill all of him you know and it's this sad moment when he finds them because they think they finally found like a safe place and then he finds them josh um he had this like cane type thing and he did this skipping motion and he was banging the cane while he was skipping on the floor and then as he finished he like threw his hands out he was like 
so I found your little hideaway and everybody the first time he did it everybody busted out laughing but then from that point forward I couldn't look when I knew his entrance was coming I couldn't look in that direction I would just Mm -hmm. look away and it's still knowing that it was happening it was so hard not to laugh like I think I just put because you know other people are seeing it and you know exactly what they're seeing (laughs) and you know what they're laughing at yeah (laughs) so the guy that was playing my love interest I just put my face in his chest like oh I'm so sad I can't even fit it was really just because I was laughing and I didn't want the audience to see because it's supposed to be a sad moment and it was hilarious it was so funny I had to do that um a a couple of times like you're, you're talking about those mm-hmm. times, like if, if Ashley and I were looking at each other and not laughing, it's probably because I was really looking at the wall. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. just pick some weird spot on the wall and talk to it. Yeah. Because <laughs> if I look people in the face and I see their eyes mm-hmm. and I see the reaction like while we're talking, then, yep, then it's super hard. Yeah. If I know I'm saying an awkward line or something that may sound funny, I always just look at their forehead. I'm like, I just talk to their forehead because I know I'm going to laugh if I look in their eyes and I see yep. them make a like an eye or a oh, yeah. different gesture or like a a look that they may be about to laugh, you know. Or if your uh, counterpart, you know, forgets their line and you're trying not to laugh and you're trying to cover and you're looking in their face and you see this, they're trying to stay in character, but you see this panic across their face and it's the funniest thing ever. <laughs> like they're trying, to, they're trying to look at you and stay in character, but you can see like everything that's happening in their mind that the audience can't see. They're like, yeah. oh, oh goodness. How, where do I go? What do I do? What do I... Somebody say something. I can't do it. I, I can't think of what I'm supposed to say. And then you have to try not to laugh while also you're getting that panic too now because you're like, are they going to get the line or are they, should I save it? Or like, do, do we yeah. just move on to the next part? Is it going to make sense? And then I don't know. It always just fixes itself. Maybe after 30 seconds have passed and the, audi- the audience is just like, <laughs> do we leave? Yeah. Like, is it over? <laughs> but that's one of the funniest moments for me that's something uh i noticed during the junior show we just did um was <laughs> and it, it it fit with the character because uh, willy wonka is kind of like picking on all these kids that right. come to visit the factory one by one and at one point he asks one of them a question and they're supposed to respond but the kid did didn't say anything he okay. just stood there right and so uh mitchell Duquette, who was Willy Wonka, said, what did I just say? (laughs) 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 So, I mean, it it fit totally. Yeah. But he said that because the kid didn't respond with the line he was supposed to. (laughs) Yeah. So he just like picked it right back up and he said it as a line of dialogue that that made total sense, but it, you know, oh, kickstarted awesome. the kid's reaction. Yeah. And so he said his line after that. You need people like that in theater yeah. who are able to, and Mitchell <laughs> definitely is one of those people who can just think on his feet, like think on his toes, like just, Hey, like, and then we'll make it funny. And the audience, I mean, they may have like a question of doubt, like what's that in the script, but they don't care. Cause it's funny. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, and then most of the time, nine out of 10, they'll think it was part of it. And they're like, yeah. oh, I didn't even know you messed up there. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? You forgot a line. It fit perfectly. But yeah. I, <laughs> I, I love I love seeing those things like um, being in shows. I, and I've made the point before, but being in a show that's really fun that the audience seems to appreciate. And like, it's hard for me to, to not see the show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm experiencing the show. And I know what's funny, and I enjoy it every mm-hmm. night. I enjoy it as if I'm 
I, I guess it's I enjoy it as an experience, but I'm not getting to watch it as yeah. an audience member. I'm not getting to see what they see. Yeah. Um, and you know, I love I love seeing those little things like that. That and, and I wouldn't have known that had I not seen several rehearsals yes. to know what was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, he it was so smooth. Um, even the response from the kid who initially, you know, missed it, he came right back in, and it was, it was like it was always supposed to yeah. be that way. So, I would, yeah, those acts are like always really like <clears throat> selfless to me because like when you do those, like Mitchell jumping in like that, like it's, it's always a gamble, like it's a hit or mm-hmm. miss, like you never know if it's gonna save the other person or it's gonna like trip them up further or. Even if you if you say something that's not in the script, it, it might even like trip you up. It might mess you up, or like it may look like it doesn't fit. Like in Hunchback, we had uh, one of uh, our lead roles. Her uh, team made it to like playoffs, mm-hmm. and so the last show ended up being one of her playoff games, and so she couldn't come. Oh. So one character, like one of our uh, freshmen, he had to learn the role like on the spot, like in a couple hours, he had like maybe 48 hours to learn it. Cause there was maybe like this uncertainty that she might not be able to come. And then um, he missed a line, which is, I mean, it, it was given like, I would not be able to like it. If I stayed up all night, maybe, maybe I'd be able to pick all that up. But like, no, he did something amazing and he dropped a line. And then, so I, I picked it up, but then, there had been time that passed and by the time I picked it up it looked like I had missed the line you know and Mm. then it's just one of those things you got to take with a grain of salt like if that wouldn't have worked out for Mitchell it might have looked like he said the wrong line at the wrong time or if he said something different like that was perfect thinking for him but you just gotta roll with the punches of theater like and then takes experience yeah his yeah his mom thanked me she was like yeah it kind of I, I was just so grateful that someone helped him out, you know, because, I mean, I could see that he was struggling, and then, and then it ended up look, looking like you forgot it, and then you just kind of rolled with it, and it was fine. And I was like, this is the beauty of theater, and I was like, oh, thank you, ma'am, you know. But you know, it's always nice because you could always just leave them hanging and let mm-hmm. them figure it out. But I. But you're on stage too. Yes, and you know exactly how that feels, and you don't. You wouldn't want your co-stars or yeah, cast well, to I mean, leave you hanging. So. That's, a scene, that's a scene that you're in and a show you're in and, you know, y- you want the whole product to be successful. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's like the only choice at that, at that moment, I guess. This has been a production of The Whole Backstage, Inc. and WBSL Radio. This episode was recorded in Alabama's oldest continuously operating community theater, The Whole Backstage. Please, please, please take the time to visit our website or check the show description for a link to all of our social media. Follow us for upcoming events and announcements about how you can be part of our mission to provide our community with a positive outlet for the performing arts. Contact this show at wholebackstagelive at gmail.com for sponsorship opportunities. Your name and message reaching our listening audience can be powerful. Thank you for listening. Keep coming back and stay kind.